and away we go. Abracadabra, a la peanut butter sandwiches. Zoom zoom zoom. Yes, it is Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160 are the magic 10 digits you need if you would like to join in the conversation tonight on this live radio call-in talk program. It is Sunday nights. I am your host, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Joining me tonight, Peakless Mountaineer and Melanie. We're going to talk about some fun things and some not-so-fun things. First up this evening is, well, we know that generally speaking, when the government sort of takes over a thing, it doesn't do a bang-up job, generally makes things worse. We've got a couple of different things here that both indicate that the government, in one shape or another, one form or another, will likely ruin your credit. <laughs> because that's what it does. It's like the the Midas touch, except the opposite of that. What's the opposite of the Midas touch? You know, you, I mean, the Midas touch wasn't really good. If you, well, okay, but so you're, you're yeah. talking about sort of the anti Midas touch, yeah, like, that turns you know, everything to feces, right? Yeah, it turns everything to crap. Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that touch is, uh, that's generally. What, the Sidam touch? What government has. Uh, the Montezuma touch? Or Sidam. Yeah, there we go. Perhaps the Montezuma's revenge touch? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Melanie actually brought this one in. This is uh, from uh, realitycircuit.com. And the headline here reads, IMF, that's the International Monetary Fund, not the International Mmrfers, as I like to call them. The IMF calls for credit score to be tied to your internet search history. (laughs) Now, just take a second. Think about that. Why would this even be an idea? I don't know. Uh, Aren't we skipping a couple of steps here? Like, first off, when did the IMF decide to... Start making the calls on what our credit score should and shouldn't include. <laughs> well, they might just be sitting there watching the Federal Reserve die, being like, I'm next in line. Mm. Whether that's actually the case. Well, I mean, there's... They're there's, setting themselves up for it. I mean, there's a, a pretty good argument for it, because, I mean, between the IMF and the Bank of International Settlement, that's been pretty much the first world court. So... Given that uh, the U.S. dollar is about to completely collapse, and with it, the rest of the world economy, uh, it's pretty much going to go to those guys. You still got China and Russia to contend with. Uh, They still answer to the Bank of International Settlement. But I still don't understand, like, you know, who sits around and goes, I've got an idea. Let's tie people's credit to their internet search history. Like... How does that make any logical sense? Oh, it makes plenty of logical sense. Okay, you just got to remember that they're evil. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it depends but on... even if you're evil, how does so tying if, credit if, to your search history make financial sense for evil people? Because Okay, so because they're in charge of printing money, which is the most powerful thing, power you can have. Yes. It's very OP power if you play uh, table games or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. So... You're you're in charge of who gets resources, basically, because now all the corporations, the banks who sell houses, and the 
Fords and Chev- I, well, I don't know why I can't think of people's names right now. The car companies, any yeah. asset you would need to buy mm-hmm. knows that you can get approved for this on credit. So they're not going to charge a price that you could p- reasonably pay in cash. So the bank can now be in charge of who gets cars and houses and probably some other things. And if they, you Google things they don't like, well, now you just don't get to buy a car. Right. I mean, you, you have to look at this from the perspective of a power addict. So, okay, the last thing that I want is for, you know, if I'm a power addict, is for people who might oppose my gaining more power to have any increase of power whatsoever, like you might get from, say, having your own home, being able to get a car, things like that. I mean, it just has a censoring effect. What usually happens with this type of thing is they're, they announce they're going to do something. And at first, it's this outrageous idea, and then it filters through all their organizations. Right. And becomes a less and less outrageous idea to the masses, and then they'll do it 10 or 20 years later. Right, after they repeat it They're not going to do this bunch. next week. Right, right. But it, that even something like this still does have a censoring effect because there are people who care a lot more than me who are sitting down right now being like, well, if I look this up, am I going to be able to buy a house in 15 years? Right, right. I mean, consider right now, uh, there are people going online to go to freetalklive.com. Yep. Now, if you know for a fact that that is going to impact your credit, you're going to think twice about doing it. Because, I, I mean... Obviously, we are not helpful to those in power. Oh, it's much more useful if they just don't tell you what's going to impact your credit, which is kind of the case right now. You have a vague idea that like paying your bills is good and being late is bad. Right. But something like internet search history, you can vague up a whole lot. And so people are just going to stay way away from that line because they don't know what the rules actually are. And it's not like they're going to get published. Well, let's take a look at what the article says. In a blog post courtesy of the International Monetary Fund, IMF researchers Arnaud Boot, Peter Hoffman, Luke Levin, and Lev Ratnovsky called for internet search history to be tied to credit score. Presenting their findings from a paper they wrote, the researchers argue that by using non-financial data, specifically the history of online searches and purchases... We can solve the problem of certain kinds of people not having enough hard data, income, employment, time, assets, and debts available. The only people that that would apply to with no fault of their own is young people. Right, people with no credit because they've never built any. Because if you are, you know, my age and you have issues with employment history or income, that's your own fault. Right. If you're 18... You were 18, like, there's nothing, you you can't change the fact that you're 18. So, the only group that applies to is young people, and so if that's really your concern, which it's not, there's two options there. A, skew the scoring system towards, not skew it towards, but adjust for age. Right. Under a certain age, at least. You know, people under 25, 23, wherever you want to draw that line then don't count that for them. Right. Or, okay, well, have some other way to prove you're fine. Even even something as disturbing as, okay, well, if you're under 23 and you don't pass through regular means, you could take a personality test to show that you're the kind of person to, to pay right. your bills. On the well, extreme end, on the less extreme end, some other way to prove responsibility. 
Well, what I know... This is not, most 23-year-olds aren't buying houses anyway. So. What I know, at least in the U.S. of A, about the credit system is that there are lenders who will take a risk on you if you have no credit or even bad credit, but at a premium. Right. So if you have no credit score or a poor credit score, there are folks out there who may take a risk on you, but your interest rate is going to be higher or you're going to have to come up with a bigger down payment, whether it's a car or house, whatever it is, uh, before they will. Yeah, and, and they're not buying risk. houses that young, but you do need a car. You kind of need a car right. on day one. It's not really an option, but. Right. And so, you know, the market already sort of provides for people people like that right anybody who's you know not paying any attention to their credit or otherwise has bad credit they've got themselves into a a horrible position as far as credit is concerned Uh, the market sort of provides avenues for them so um the authors of this piece if they're really concerned with that you would think that they would not put medical debts or at least so you can occur a lot a large amount of medical debt even if you have insurance well so I still don't understand how it makes sense to tie it to your internet search history. I mean, you know, what websites I frequent, what I've got bookmarks, you know, what my, you know, how do they even know it's just me and not people in my household searching? Because you've got a camera on your phone. Well, I mean, on a phone, sure, but I mean, and what about your, your, your laptop and all that kind of thing too, right? And it's probably you. It can also hear you. 603-283-6160. More Free Talk Live on the way. Welcome back to the program. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It is the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. Our telephone number here, should you want to join the conversation, is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160 is the phone number. In the studio tonight, it is myself, the captain. Beagles Mountaineer. And Melanie. And we just sort of started digging into this article from realitycircuit.com. The headline reads, the IMF, that's the International Monetary Fund, calls for credit score to be tied to internet search history. And most of our discussion was about me just going, I don't understand why they would want to tie it to internet search history. And we can talk more about that uh, but first, let's go to Scott, who's calling from Florida. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, good evening, Captain uh, Mountaineer Melanie. I hope you're having a happy uh, uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, you know, I'm so disgusted with America. I, uh, I'll try to make my, my feelings concise and, and just to the point. LRN.FM. Comrades. And Comrade Joe. Um, right. Sorry about that, Scott. Um, you can't say I, that on the radio. Yeah, I, I think he might have been saying Bolshevik. Mm. I'm not going to fight the FCC on that. Yeah, I, that's fair. I heard BS the the whole you know pronounced version of that. So, uh, yeah, my apologies uh, if you were not saying that, but that's what it sounded like to me. So uh, maybe try another day, Scott. Yeah, mostly because he ended with uh, comrades right before the uh, we finished it. So I, I anyway. 
Yeah, this is uh, a radio program. This is Bolshevism. Yeah. <laughs> this is not uh, an internet podcast only. Uh, we do have, of course, podcast format. We don't really have rules, but the uh, FCC does, and they have drones and tanks. So They do. And so we must, unfortunately, dump callers who use the words that the FCC deems are inappropriate for people, even though, uh, in my opinion, there's no physical evidence that using those words have ever caused any harm outside of Which is hurt. weird, because the feds will let us sit here and talk about how we think we should overthrow them, but they won't let us say the S word. Right, yeah. Yeah, or any of the seven words like, okay. that George Carlin you like, know, made famous. Like, we could actively sit here and talk about what we need to do to the members of the FCC. That's fine. But using those no-no words. Yep, yep. What do you think you are, grown-ups? Yep. So, continuing on with this article from realitycircuit.com, the authors of the piece claim that this move is a necessary innovation, and by this move, they mean the IMF tying credit score to your internet search history. Uh, They claim that this move is necessary uh, in order to compete with the rise of corporate cryptocurrencies, such as the one in development by Facebook, who hope to launch next year. While Facebook is a monopoly that has engaged in political censorship, their power pales in comparison to that of the IMF. The International Monetary Fund is a veritable superpower with ties to the World Bank, and they oversee the entire global economy. Yeah, I don't think Facebook's crypto is going to be very crypto, so you still have all that data. Yeah. Well, and isn't Facebook in bed with the government anyway, providing data? Just recently, they, they just sort of rolled over and gave the feds a bunch of data because the feds were like, hey, can we have it? They're like, sure. It is unconfirmed whether or not Facebook actually is effectively part of the feds. Google is. But I, which also, mean, when, so they're for its subsidiaries, YouTube. Right. Um, But if it's not, it's close. Yeah. I mean, I know one thing for sure from a user perspective, Google certainly ruined YouTube. YouTube was great. It was fantastic. It was a great platform. If you made some sort of a funny video and it went viral, if you went to the front page of YouTube, why, that bastard was on the front page. And now you go to the front page. If you just sign out of you know Google completely and just go to YouTube.com and look at the front page, it's all mainstream crap. All of it. It's all super overproduced. It's done by people with money. If you want to find the funny cat video that some lady made, you know, in her basement last Tuesday, that's taken the internet by storm. Why you got to already have the link. So Google certainly ruined that amongst other things. Uh, So the article continues. It should go without saying that giving this organization the power to track everyone's search history can lead to some dark ramifications. Well, who would have guessed that? Uh, With private banks, notably J.P. Morgan and Chase Bank, already kicking conservatives off of their services, one can only imagine how much this would escalate with the IMF tracking everyone's search history. While there has been bipartisan opposition to the Chinese social credit system in Congress, the distinctions between that system and what the IMF is pushing remains ill-defined. That's interesting because uh, I, when I first heard about the Chinese you know, social credit score uh, system, uh, I predicted, coming soon to the United States. Right. It's just going to take some other flavor, some other form that makes people think it's not being mandated. 
And one of the things that I'd like to point out about this is that, okay, so right now this is in the context of what would your credit score be? But we are moving into a central bank digital currency era. Yes. And there will almost certainly be a uh, universal basic income along with it. So this is going to be not just like, can we extend you credit, but do you get to access your account? Well, and there there are employers now, like if you go apply for a job at a fast food restaurant, this is not going to happen. But there are employers, if once you get, you know... Once you work your way up a little bit, employers check your credit history. Yeah. So. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't need to collect kind of your. Mad, like, yeah. even if you're like, well, I'm not going to ever have that. Like, OK, yeah, I'm, I'm glad someone just like gave you assets up front. But to get jobs, you kind of need this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and having had that happen occur, uh, I have credit monitoring in place. And uh, I, you know, the the last job that I obtained, certainly the company did run my credit score now it wasn't great it wasn't horrible but you know it was enough to get me the job but i wonder what would have happened you know had my credit score been lower would i not i mean it, it depends on what type of job so like some places are just looking for like okay it's not 250 or different organizations right. use different low numbers it's like okay right. are some places are looking for okay it has to be decent and some places are looking for well he doesn't have you know three repos on a Ferrari because he's buying stuff he can't afford. Right. So sometimes it's that really low barrier, but... Yeah, they're looking for a gauge of trust and responsibility. I understand why they would look or why would they would want to look at that. But when it comes to search history, I'm sorry, banks have no business knowing what my Well, if you haven't is. done anything wrong, you don't have anything to hide. Yeah, isn't that the old adage? <laughs> yes. Uh, how about this? If they would like to see my search history, I want to see theirs. <laughs> Seems fair, right? I'd like to know where all of you have been. That's right. Uh, I would and and continue to know over. Please you know, release your emails while you're. I just want to know which phones they've logged into, like other people's phones. Mm. See what's going on. <laughs> 603-283-6160. Would you allow the credit bureaus that exist now to track your internet search history? Free Talk Live. We've got more coming up. Bitcoin.com is the best source for learning about cryptocurrency. Go there now, click on Get Started at the top of the page. Once you do that, you'll find a cornucopia of information, neatly organized for your needs. If you're a knowledgeable crypto user, check out news.bitcoin.com where you can get the latest headlines. Bitcoin.com is your source for buying cryptocurrency, getting a wallet app, mining, trading, and all the latest cryptocurrency news, all on a slick and easy-to-use website. All put together by the best minds in the business to teach you about cryptocurrency. Bitcoin.com. The telephone number you need to participate in this radio program is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160 is the way that you join us here in the studio on this Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. I am your host tonight. I am the Reverend Captain Kickass. Joining me. 
speak with us, Mountaineer. And Melanie. We've been talking about this article from realitycircuit.com that says the IMF wants to tie your internet search history to your credit. And we've been reading through this, and it seems, it, it occurs to me during the break that this seems like the banks are crying right? <laughs> Facebook's going to make a cryptocurrency and they can already see everybody's history and we don't get to see everybody's history so we're it's unfair. Do they really not get to see, like if the Federal Reserve called up the NSA and was like, hey, send me this file, would the NSA really be like, no, I doubt it? Um, maybe, actually. Like the NSA tends to be pretty particular about that stuff, actually, like weirdly so. Like, okay, um, so if that's just the I odds mean, department, I mean, so, so there's for somebody example, who's above the NSA who could be like, okay, I'm taking this file to the Federal Reserve because that's who's really in charge. Well, yeah. no, that's exactly it. It's uh, the people above, the, the people controlling the IMF can do it, but well, not, not the, the IMF, IMF itself. Not the IMF because that's not a U.S. agency. The Federal Reserve is. Well, and again, the people above the Federal Reserve can do it. The Federal Reserve? Meh, maybe. I mean, like, uh, NSA in particular, like, when Nancy Pelosi's like, hey, you need to not hire these people that Trump wanted, they're like, uh, no. Did, did you and guys, she when is you were... one of the most powerful people on the planet today. You so. guys, when you were growing up, did you ever, you ever had the ice cream man come to your neighborhood? I did. Okay. And so, you know, all the other kids run out to get the ice cream. Did you ever, like, have to not get the ice cream because, like, your mom didn't have money or you didn't have money? Mm-hmm. And you had to, like, be left out? That's what it feels like to me. It feels like the bank's... Are going, we don't get any ice cream. Facebook gets all the ice cream. They get to spy on them and they get to spy on them. Okay, but I don't believe that if Jerome Powell wanted my Facebook messages, that he can't get them. You probably have a point. That is a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll continue talking more about this. And and that's part of it, too, is just that Jerome Powell might have access to it, but not every single body at the Federal Reserve. Well, yeah, like the janitor can't call up the NSA and be like, hey, I want to see some fun stuff. Yeah. Okay, but the Federal Reserve itself as an entity. Uh, We'll talk more about what the implications of this are and where they're coming from. But first, let's go to our caller in North Carolina, going by the name of Glenn Jacobs. Glenn, here on Free Talk Live. That's right, buddy. Hey, there we go. Sorry, I had you muted. Go ahead. Captain Crypto. (laughs) That's that's a first. What's on your mind? Hey, hey, did you see see the old fart? Mumbles, mumbles McConnell trying to defend his uh, two-faced decision not to uh, convict Trump. And then his his other hypocritical hiding-in-the-closet friend, Lindsey Graham, who, uh, hey, South Carolina, I bet you're proud of that big disgrace. Huh? <laughs> then you got Tim Scott. Whoa. Hello? Hey, hey we just lost uh, not only the current caller, but uh, the caller who was on hold as well. Well, that's yeah, interesting. Technicalities here on Free Talk Live. Well, moving, They're cutting the hard line. <laughs> yes, perhaps this is a precursor. We don't know <laughs> if the lights go off and the show goes off the air. Uh, you guys will know why. Uh, in response to uh, what uh, Glenn Jacobs was saying, uh, <laughs> that uh, was that was Jerome. Dude. I, we I know it was Jerome. I, I I don't follow that particular soap opera. I mean, like honestly, I. I have watched absolutely zero of the entire impeachment proceedings uh, I, of any, like, 
I, I heard uh, Dave Smith make his prediction for what the outcome would be, and that was pretty obvious because uh, I, I think it was um, Rand Paul had called for a a question of constitutionality mm-hmm. on on the thing, and like, okay, well, you got enough people saying that this was unconstitutional that if they then you know voted against impeachment then uh he would be cleared juries are weird though and actually there were some people apparently who voted that it was unconstitutional but then turned around and voted to convict that is a really juries hard position will do that in. juries will vote not guilty on a murder trial in places where they don't need unanimous verdicts and then turn around and vote execution over life sentence because that's what the instructions say to base it on. People are mental. Well, well, the jury in this case was politicians, though. And, I mean, that has got to be a rough position to be in. Like, this was an unconstitutional thing to do. But, yeah, I was totally for it. Your, constitu- your constituents don't care if it's unconstitutional. They care if they get what they want. Well, well for, for Republicans, though, that seems like a weird decision. Have you talked to Republicans? They don't care either. They're just like, I want drugs to be illegal, and I want farm subsidies, but I don't want welfare for poor people. Well, once again, like, um, right. Republicans tend to at least do lip service to constitutionality being important. They're going to vote for who gives them what they want, same as everybody else. Once again, regarding uh, the impeachment of the former president, uh, both both times, for both impeachments that just occurred, I said. I wonder if we can get a third one in here. I just, said just for good measure. Apparently, nothing, you can because you could do it after he's out of office. So I, I said not over yet. Nothing is going to happen. He will not be impeached. I said it both times, and I was correct both times. Now I'm not saying, ha ha, I was correct, but I kind of am. They could have. They they might have stood a chance for getting him for something no, minor. Was right. No, for something so, else. There's plenty of things he's they, done. They went for like a pony ridiculous show, charge. Dog and pony show to keep the masses entertained. All right. So, uh, since you're so good at predicting thus far, uh, two questions. Number one: Will there be a third impeachment hearing? No. And number two: If there is, will they impeach him? Well, no, because there won't be. Uh, but uh, hypothetically, if See, this there is what we were just if, complaining if, about if people doing. And, and there is if a third. The first part, if I'm wrong third. about the first part, there is a third. Then the answer is still no. Uh, they they will also acquit All right. on, the, on the third time because All right. these things never occur. Well, They've I'm, tried impeaching well, several I'm, presidents I'm since I've been like, alive. None I, of I them have. Nothing has third. ever happened. Nothing has ever happened. If nothing has ever happened, he'll be guilty. Here, here's what happens. Wait, be guilty or be found guilty? Be found guilty, No yes. matter what level of government, government investigates themselves and finds that they didn't do anything wrong. Right, but he's not government anymore. And, I mean, isn't he wasn't he? in the first place. Isn't he? No, I'm Pretty sure that once you become president, you're guaranteed a paycheck for life? That doesn't you're mean that sec- you are government. Are you? I know you get secret service for life. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you get you, a paycheck for you life. Get, you get paid. Oh, wow. For, okay. for the rest of your life. Yep. 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 For, you know, a mere four years of service. Yeah. Tell you one thing, though. If, if, I was, if I was him, I would not want those Secret Service agents anywhere near me. Secret servants? <laughs> a little Freudian sleep. Uh, slip there. Sleep? Yes, I could use some sleep. I'm a little tired today. <laughs> uh, circling back to the article, the IMF, including some of the writers of the blog post, have ties to both the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Initiative and the Joe Biden Transition Team. 
Two of the researchers advocating for the IMF tracing our search history, Luke Levin and Lev Ratnovsky, have pages on the WEF's website. Lev Ratnovsky in particular has defended bank bailouts so the economy can stay afloat. Meanwhile, the head of the IMF, uh, Kristalina Georgieva, has publicly advocated for the Great Reset Initiative. Notably in this speech to members of the royal family over the summer, the Great Reset Initiative is a plan by the World Economic Forum, in their words, to build a new social contract that honors the dignity of every human being. That's such a cross. Oh, yeah. Real big on on dignity, these guys. Something tells me dignity is the last thing that they want for the people. 603-283-6160. Do you think the banks have any business in your search history? More Free Talk Live on the way. Yes, welcome back to Free Talk Live. It is the live Sunday night edition. We're here seven days a week between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're not in the Eastern Time Zone, well, do some math. I believe it's 4 until 7 Pacific Time because, well, I used to travel. I used to time travel. That's right. I travel across different time zones and exist there simultaneously. No, it's it's not true. At any rate, in the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Beakless Mountaineer. And Melanie. And I wanted to tell you folks about Bitcoin.com because it is the best source for learning about cryptocurrency. You can go there now and click on Get Started at the top of the page. Once you do that, you will find a cornucopia of information neatly organized by your needs. There's no longer an excuse for ignorance of this important world-changing information. If you're already a knowledgeable crypto user, check out news.bitcoin.com where you can get the latest headlines of all of the news relevant to you. Bitcoin.com is your source for buying cryptocurrency, getting a wallet app, mining, trading, and all the latest cryptocurrency news all on a very slick and easy-to-use website. Please visit bitcoin.com. We're going to continue talking about this article from realitycircuit.com where it appears the IMF wants to tie your credit rating to your internet search history. And it's one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard, but uh, it certainly seems to be, uh, as governments do, uh, an issue of control. They want more control. They want more data so that they can exert more control. And we'll continue to talk about that. But first, let's go to David, who's calling from San Francisco. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, and this is a great subject because uh, I've been uh, fighting the very concept of money for years. Because uh, the value you've been of fighting the, ma- the concept of money. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's totally not a fake. not a fiat currency, but of money. Right. Yeah. The the very concept of it is a fake, and people are born into it. Uh, and because you have things like twenty and thirty year mortgages, uh, people are trapped by it. 
you know, if their father has a, uh, you know, the moment they're born, their father's got a 30-year mortgage, the kid might be 30 years old by the time the place is finally paid off, and the value of the money has changed so much that, uh, you know, it, it's as if you're born into a poker game and somebody's changing the rules every two minutes. So it's, it, it, you know, there are at least eight different ways that the value of our lives are manipulated. And so uh, I, to give you an example, uh, if you've ever heard of the LIBOR, L-I-B-O-R, the London Interbank Offer Rate. I never now knew what that li- stood for. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it, 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 and it was basically how the interest rates of the world were set. Uh, it, it got created in 1984 by uh, Reagan and, and some of the Brit- uh, not just British, but uh, uh, international bankers. And at the at the time, uh, you know, the previous president, Jimmy Carter, the interest rates had gone basically from 6% all the way up to 22%. And so nobody could figure out how to control these interest rates. So Ronald Reagan's market forces method was to create the LIBOR. And it was basically, if you can imagine... A, okay, so a the, the president of the United States creating a thing is not in any way market forces. Well, it was. It was. Uh, I, I'm not sure how to answer your question. He was You know, his. He didn't want to deal with. Uh, you know, every state in the nation, every one of the 50 states had usury laws. And I came from Missouri. The usury laws in Missouri said that any interest rate above seven percent was an illegal interest rate. And uh, but no one in the state of Missouri prosecuted anybody for charging more than seven percent. And that ha- that's how it spiraled out of control. Jimmy Carter and the, sta- the various states uh, had no way to stop the interest rates uh, going above the usury rates. Now, what the LIBOR did, and which was most interesting about 20 years ago, well, 15 years ago, LIBOR got caught uh, frauding the data for the interest rates. It wasn't honest. It was supposed to be a market forces way, but it turned out that the data setting interest rates was totally fraudulent. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm shocked that a government-created agency would do something. A government-created agency setting a rate and and, and market force interest rates are mutually exclusive. Right. Oh, I agree. And that's that's what I'm leading up to. So the LIBOR uh, had, uh, by the time they got busted, they had $351 trillion worth of debt, $351 trillion in debt. And the value of the entire earth, all of the raw materials, all of the you know, workings of the people and everything else, only amounted to $24 trillion. They had created $351 trillion in debt. And so that's, that explains, and this was only about 10, 15 years ago that they got busted. So it explains how we're trapped right now, that there's nobody really dissolved this phony debt, and people are still paying off mortgages and interest rates that are based upon totally fraudulent debt. And so when you start looking at what the IMF is doing and... You know, trying to recapture the the credit rating of of the world. Um, you know, when you talk about uh, the regular, you know, a, a dollar bill, say like the American dollar bill, and it used to be based on gold. They used to be able to print ten times more paper than there was uh, uh, gold in the treasury, ten to one ratio. And a hundred years ago, uh, 
a lot of the farmers, you know, the the writing of the Wizard of Oz was kind of based upon this, that the the bankers and the money manipulators were producing less paper. They were doing as low as a six to one ratio instead of a ten to one, and that that starved uh, local communities of the ability to to get anything done. If well, okay, no, actual... not engaging in in quote enough fractional reserve banking is not starving local communities or anyone else of anything. Oh, yeah, it did. Well, no, you, because you, you're not you supposed got... to commit any fraud. Right. Like six times fraud is not not enough fraud. It's six times too much fraud. Right. There should be no <laughs> fractional reserve banking, period. If there's going to be a certificate based on, you know, gold or something like that, then it should be a one for one ratio, period. Well, yeah, the how fact does that... cryptocurrencies work? You know, they, they're not creating uh, anything tangible. They're creating no, I disagree. A, a constantly manipulating number. Which has nothing uh, to do with fractional reserves. Right. So, Well, it's, it's hypothetical uh, fractional reserves. No, it's, it's not. Because it's nothing n- to has begin n- with. Actually, it's, 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 ba- it's based on mathematics. And what cryptocurrency does is it solves the problem of trust without a third party. Uh, the third party being either government or the banks. So no longer is a third party required for things like escrow, right? You don't need a government oversight there because it's just, it's an agreement that if you and another person enter into it and you decide on the price of a thing, uh, you can be confident that the price that you agreed to pay is the amount that the other party will receive without any intermediary in between. It solves the problem of trust, and that is where its value comes from. Yeah, yeah and it's, cryptocurrency it's, it's pers- nonsense. How is it nonsense? It's mathematics. Because it has no basis in reality. Of course it does. And you're saying that if a farmer has a silo full of grain and he wants to transfer it to somebody who has a oatmeal factory, then you know there can be a price agreed on. But what? What the uh, difference is, is that, and this goes back to 100 years ago when they were, uh, you know, the uh, Wizard of Oz paradigm came in, where the farmers did the hard work to produce that grain, but the Chicago Board of Trade manipulated the the stock, uh, the commodity price, and all of a sudden the hard work got dissipated by 20%. You know the share, the uh, a pound per, per, you know the the bushel price of of grain uh, lost uh, two dollars or something like Lowering that. Lowering the and, reserve requirement is not going to help that. It's going to hurt it. Well, when you start to look at credit ratings, you know this is one of the reasons why I talked about getting rid of money altogether because a reputation is what a, what money is supposed to. Uh, how how are you defining represent. money? Because you keep saying money, but you're describing fractional reserves. And you're describing fiat currency. So how are you yeah, defining by, money? By getting rid of money, are you including like uh, gold would be? Well, the, the the big picture is we're born into a monopoly game with endless uh, changes, and and every minute that goes by, the value of somebody's life is raised or lowered, and it usually doesn't have to do with that person. So in other words, the credit rating of a, of a human being is changed overnight by whether it's legislation, it could be the price of gold, it could be hey, the Hey, thanks for the rate, call, David. We be... appreciate it. 603-283-6160. More Free Talk Live is on the way. The live Sunday night edition. Look, I'm sorry, but you're in for a world of pain if you use Coinomi. The reason is their wallet doesn't support payments. The solution is simple. Let them hear your voice. 
Message Koinomi on Twitter. It takes five seconds. And tell them AnyPace sent you because they're on the fence right now. And your voice will prove that people care about using Bitcoin for payments. Go tweet at Koinomi now. Or even better, leave a review in the App Store. They really pay attention there. Thanks. Talk Live. 603-283-6160 is the telephone number. If you would like to get your voice on the air, join our conversation here on this Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Peakless Mountaineer. And Melanie. And we've been talking about this article from realitycircuit.com about the IMF wanting to tie your credit rating to your search history. We've basically gotten through the article. um, And then we also had a caller who wanted to discuss how he's been fighting against money. And he had some interesting things to say. You guys had some follow-up on that. Well, I mean, the the first problem is, uh, and I can relate to uh, fighting against the idea of money. I used to do so for a very long time. Uh, but the problem is you end up with the uh, the price problem, which is, uh, okay, so uh, most people that are that imagine a world without money, they still imagine that everyone gets what they need. But the problem is, how do you determine what people actually need? And if you don't have people setting what price they are willing to accept for a given thing Mm -hmm. and uh, others deciding what price they're willing to give for a certain thing, then you don't actually have, you know, the immense amount of calculations necessary from uh, from special knowledge in order to figure out how valuable something actually is. So you don't know what to spend your resources on. Yeah, I mean, so it's a quantification of scarcity. And, like, let's not pretend, I'm not saying you're doing this, but let's not pretend that prices or any other system create this utopia where everybody gets everything they need and most of the things they want. That's not the case, but it's the best we got. It incentivizes the most production, and you get, you, you can kind of go from the, go through your list starting at the top and then stopping when you run out of money. The main problem I had communicating with him was he refused to define money twice. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that money means what he thinks it means, but I but then I don't know what he meant, so yeah. I can't really address it. Money is a unit of exchange and a store of value. There is some debate whether crypto is actually a unit of exchange because Prices aren't usually denominated in, in crypto. Right. But. I would leave that to, to some more technical people. And he he did not strike me as somebody who had principles and foundations and was building on that. He struck me as somebody who looked at what was good for him and his friends and then reverse engineered it. Well, it is incredibly difficult to have a discussion uh, or even come to a conclusion when you know we can't agree on the terms. Yeah, uh, so it's important to, to define if you tell to me define th- what money is, right. so that we can all be talking from the same platform. If you call in and tell me that you define money as chocolate unicorns with pink sprinkles, then I can discuss that 
Because right. now I know that you mean chocolate unicorns with pink sprinkles. Right. But if I ask you, what do you mean by money? And you just ignore the question twice. I can't do anything with that because right. you're clearly not using the official definition. of I wanted to, yeah, and, and we have been trained to uh, equate Federal Reserve notes with money. Right. I wanted to mention to and clarify a bit about cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is a language. Right. It's code. Right. It is. It is speech at its core is what it is. Now, what is money? My definition of money is the language of value. And what does cryptocurrency do? It gives that language new well, meaning. That se- that seems kind of post hoc. There is an economic definition of money. Well, I, I think that is the effect of what the economic definition yeah. of so money does. I, I'll, I'll, I'll alliterate even more. Uh, or expand on my thoughts. So primates, orangutans and that type of thing, have been known to create money themselves, right? This is not yes. just a human thing, right? So it's an expression of value. That's all money is. They will use whatever. They'll use pebbles, right? They'll use stones. Human beings have even used pebbles. Uh, they've used tulips. They've used you know all sorts of different things to be the currency to express Value. How much is this thing worth to you? How many units of X, whatever that is, are you willing to give up to obtain this item or this service? Right. And that's it's an the, expression of and value. That's the the unit of exchange uh, part of money. Now, there's there's also right. other parts of money like. Uh, as far as we know, they, they aren't actually keeping track of uh, how many bits of meat they trade for a thing. But humans like to do that. We like to right. keep track of like, okay, how much am I spending on X, Y, and Z? Well, you might be granting people with more forethought than is I'm not saying all humans do that, but so, it is a thing that a lot of humans like to do is keep track of how much they are expending. Uh, how much they're exchanging for a certain thing. So again, money is a language. It's the expression of value. Now, what language expresses value the best? Is it government-created fiat currency? Is it cryptocurrency? Is it tulips? Is it chocolate-covered pink unicorns or whatever it is you said earlier? What method expresses that value the best? That is the one that is going to win, and that is why cryptocurrency is currently on the tear that it's on, because it is a significantly better invention at expressing the value. I say this to people all the time because I have a bunch of friends who are musicians. If music is the expression of human emotion, then cryptocurrency is the expression of human value or at least the best system for doing so. In the same way, music is a language. Cryptocurrency is also a language. Well, it kind of depends on exactly what you mean for best there. Uh, Now, the fact that you can exchange... That's true, yes. The the fact that you can right now exchange cryptocurrency for U.S. dollars kind of muddies the water on that because, like... Dollars are really good at expressing value for two reasons. So on a small scale, on an individual to individual scale, what what U.S. dollars do is they keep the IRS from coming after us. That's that's the one thing we are sure that they do. And most people have to get 
all, if not almost all, of their resources with Federal Reserve notes. Right. Mm -hmm. And on a large scale, uh, from country to country, what they do is that they assure a given country that they will be able to access oil. Because every civil, every modern civilization requires oil to live. Like right now, for every calorie of food that you eat, thousands of calories of oil went into it. I would actually argue that the fact that you can exchange cryptocurrency for the dollar, the USD, uh, makes it superior to the dollar. Because not only can you exchange cryptocurrency for the US, you can exchange cryptocurrency for any government-denominated currency any across the globe there is a way a method for you to do so so there's no other currency on the planet that can do that yeah. it can't absorb all of the currencies in fact it is infrastructure it is the language of value infrastructure of cryptocurrency right the the fact that cryptocurrency exists in its mathematical state makes it infrastructure to all other currencies and much like the internet vacuumed up a whole bunch of businesses because while it sort of made them inferior, right, that is what cryptocurrency is doing to government currencies. It is vacuuming them up. They are all riding on top of it now. And soon enough, there's going to be an inversion to where there's, yeah, there'll still be some people who transact in government currencies, but they will all be riding uh, the wave of crypto. And it could get to the point where we see on an individual level what the system has set up, which is, okay, I can pay my I can buy a car, I can buy a house, I can buy groceries, I can buy anything I need in, you know, say BCH, mm-hmm. but that guy who's going to kill me if I don't pay my property taxes, I need reserve notes for that. Right. That which is really why on a systematic level that's why reserve notes have oil domestically at least. Right. That might become apparent. Yeah. If we get to that point. And, and the reason that it's superior is just because you will, if you use it correctly, you will always be able to access it and you will always have a record of those transactions. The, the thing that the United States dollar is backed by is the full force of the government. That is, that is it. That's the only thing it's backed by. More Free Talk Live coming up. 603-283-6160. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening, everybody. It is Free Talk Live. Our telephone number here in the studio is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Peakless Mountaineer. And Melanie. And we were talking about this article about the IMF calling for uh, your credit score to be tied to your internet search history. I just happened to have, well, a segue article, if you will. This is from Yahoo Finance. And they this have an w- article about segues? <laughs> yeah, you know, before those rolly deals <laughs> that are, that Microsoft, I think Microsoft, mm-hmm. right, uh, that are yeah. called segues, before those existed, segue meant transition. Oh. into right like i'm going to segue from one topic into another and i would build a verbal bridge to do so but yeah well how much do those cost 
Uh, I'll sell you one if you got some Bitcoin. (laughs) This from Yahoo Finance. Biden wants to shut down credit bureaus. What would that mean for you? And what does it mean that Biden wants to shut down credit bureaus? That's, That's my question. Well, one of the more fascinating platform items of the Biden presidential campaign was the idea of transferring consumer credit ratings from Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion to a public registry under the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, also known as the government. Uh, I read this to say... Because i got to say, that uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau just doing a bang-up job so far. I feel totally protected as a consumer. Yeah, I don't feel my finances are protected at all by the organization known as government. Uh, And what this says to me is the government wants to take over what are seemingly, at least more so than government's, uh, market agencies to produce credit ratings currently and turn that into just one government agency. That sounds like a bad idea to me because, again, the government has a very poor track record of taking over things and making them better. In fact, I can't think of anything... Can you name something, either of you, that the government has taken over and improved? Oh, the silence of death. No. Yeah. Callers, can you name somebody or ooh, something? Ooh, ooh, oppression. <laughs> the government took over oppression Actually, and made no, it better? Actually, no, because if you look at dollar for dollar, if your goal is to kill and lock up people, the government is really inefficient at killing people. Well... It's, we don't want it to be, but it is still inefficient. Well, there, there's more to oppression than just killing people and locking them up. But it is the largest murderer. Yes, they, but most, most at, people or entities aren't that big. Centralization of power. They have definitely done a bang-up job of that. Well, okay, but did they take over it? No, they self-imposed it. Uh, slavery. They're awesome at that. Yeah, there's a few things government's good at, and I think we've covered them. Killing, slaving, uh, oh, taking your money. Yep. Right? Um, I can't think of anything else that they're good at. Let's see. Lying, Oh, lying. They're really good at lying. enslaving, killing. Yeah, that. Okay. All right. So so basically, no. Uh, The article says, as reported by The Balance, this idea was examined in depth in a paper published by a think tank called demos in 2019 one major takeaway of that paper was that decisions drawing on credit data reproduce and spread existing racial inequality making it harder to achieve true economic equity demos proposed the idea of a public credit registry in that paper because you know having three or even four credit bureaus apparently isn't enough they want to have one centralized uh, government controlled registry do you mind if i go off on a brief little tangent here why go ahead all right so uh two quick things uh so this one mentioned equity Mm -hmm. so that's a term that used to have a specific meaning uh both in the financial world and just as a term and it is rapidly coming to a very different meaning so what was it and what is it so uh, what it used to mean was that there was equity in a transaction. So, like, uh, if uh, if we agree that you will give me five widgets and I will give you 4,000 Satoshis, mm-hmm. and then we do that, then there's equity. 
And, and there's also uh, uh, the financial term of like having equity in your house. So like uh, if you've put work into it, uh, you've paid off uh, part of your mortgage, that sort of thing, that becomes equity. Right. And rapidly, equity is moving to a very different term. And it, it basically is a, a subtle way of saying socialism. Okay. And what was the other thing? Uh, the other one is that, uh, uh, oh, shoot, I, I seem to have lost. Oh, there it is. Um, uh, Glad it, you found it. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot going on up here. Uh, <laughs> our caller had mentioned that uh, there, there were laws of uh, usury laws. Yes. Now, that's another term that has very drastically changed. I'd be meaning. surprised if most of our listeners understand what usury is. Or the definition of it, anyway. It's it's not a common term. It used to be. Now, once upon a time, what usury was, was charging interest uh, on a loan. Mm-hmm. That was usury, and it was not only, uh, not only bad, but evil. Uh, right. be- because it was considered simony, a, a term that I'm sure almost no one knows, uh, which is the idea of selling something spiritual in exchange for something material. So the idea that you gave someone gold and they gave you the promise of that gold plus more was uh, was satanic evil because you are selling something that doesn't exist physically for something that does exist physically. Okay, and that did become part of our culture for a long time that you could not charge interest for for anything uh, of uh, of European culture anyway. Um, now the the Templars ended up being the first ones allowed to do that, which is right when the term usury started shifting. So then it wasn't charging interest at all. It was charging too much interest. Right, which is what the current definition appears to be. I've just checked a couple sources. Uh, uh, Usury, the illegal action or practice of lending money at an unreasonably high rate of interest. Uh, Interest at or... Interest at unreasonably high rates is the current definition. And, uh, I mean, already you you can kind of see the problem there of, well, it's unreasonable. Well, according to who? Right. Who determines reasonable? Uh, of course, the market should determine that. And also individuals, right? If I am looking for a loan and I go to one person and they go, hey, yeah, I can do the loan for you mm-hmm. and I'll do it at 20% interest for you. I go, well, uh, you know, how about 10 they go, no, sorry, we can't go any lower than 20. I go, okay, well, let me get back to you. And yeah. then as a smart man, I should go and shop around and find and somebody else goes, no, 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 we'll do it for, you know, 8% mm-hmm. you know, or whatever it is. That's on me. It's my responsibility right. to shop around and get the best possible interest rate that I can. Right. In a free market, the, the modern term of usury is physically impossible. You cannot possibly charge me an unreasonable amount because I get to decide what's reasonable. Uh, you seem reasonable to me. <laughs> Thank you for that. 603-283-6160. We've got more Free Talk Live on the way. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com yeah! 
Yes, it is Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. Those are the 10 digits you need to join us on air on this live Sunday night edition. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Pick, uh, peakless Mountaineer. And Melanie. <laughs> Pick your job off the ground. Uh, we've been talking about this article from Yahoo Finance saying that Biden wants to shut down credit bureaus and transform them into a single public registry under the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh, I can't imagine what could possibly go wrong here. Why would why would giving government uh, one organization uh, the ability to rate your credit be better than three different ones? Not that they're like entirely private as it stands, True. but um, it doesn't need to be its own. Go- like too private. No. Three companies is entirely too much competition. The Federal Reserve now gets yes. to determine as an entity whether or not you get a car loan or this job. No. no we have let's to put, not do that. We have to put pressure on three whole agencies <laughs> to get things done. <laughs> well, yes. Yes, they do. I guess that would make it easier. Now they wouldn't have to put any pressure on anyone except for the one agency. And Well, if they make a mistake, why, there's no one to compare it to. Hmm. There, there is kind of a level of spite that goes along, or not spite, but a, a level of kind of vengeance that goes along with this because it's like, okay, well, you had all these credit agencies, I guess you still have the credit agencies, and you had all these insurance companies who were not exactly acting privately or well, and they just lobbied for more and more and more power. Yep. Not market power, but, you know, power power. Right, right. Political and then power. the government was like, yeah, I'll take that. It's like you kind of want to laugh at them a little bit. It's like, well, you played the game. Yeah. yeah. Well, you kept people out of uh, competition with you, and then you kept more people out of competition with you, and, oh, look, now you're not allowed to compete. Yeah, it's not like somebody who built a business legitimately, and then the government was like, this steel factory is mine now. (laughs) It's like, no, that's a total, like, you had a legitimate business, presumably, as far as I know, you were playing by regular market rules, and then they just stole it. This is like, you lobbied for special protections, and then the government was like, yeah, that's powerful. Hmm. I like to own powerful things. You know, we keep giving them special protections and special protections. It's almost like they're a government agency. Yeah. Uh, The article says the three primary reporting agencies analyze consumer borrowing and repayment patterns. They assign scores that are then used to assess a person's credit worthiness. This can affect their access to an apartment and their ability to hold certain jobs in addition to the amount they can borrow and the interest rates that they are charged. It's big business, enough to support three public companies, although they do have other businesses as well. While lenders certainly have the right to determine the risk of a potential borrower, the problem is the lack of transparency in the process. As if government is going to solve that. Right, because they've been so transparent about everything so far. The three they've bureaus- gotten a little bit more transparent in the past year or so. It's It's odd. They Hold have? on, I'd, I'd like to, yeah. Yeah, they come Back out and they're like, well, you know, Fauci was like, you know what, Um, I lied, actually. And then they came out and like, well, we don't know when we're in lockdown. And Nancy Pelosi came out the other day and said, well, well, Biden won, so I got what I wanted, so I'm not going to give you a stimulus package. <laughs> that's true. Like, these people said these things. Yeah. Like, it's not it's, me it, mind that's, reading. That's not really transparency. That's more of just like, hey, I lied. <laughs> So they're, they're they're being honest about their dishonesty. 
Yeah, it's... but only after they've been dishonest in the first place. So right. I don't know if that's transparency. Transparency would be show me the books. Let me see exactly where every dime goes. That, yeah, I mean, you know, the taxpayers' money. Yelling "gotcha" doesn't really count as transparency. Right. Like, ha ha. Uh, at any rate, the three bureaus have slightly different calculation methods and data sources, which can result in the same person having three very different credit scores. I've never seen three very different. I've yeah. seen, like, slightly different. I've scores. also only seen three slightly different, whether it's me or, you know, friends or family, that type of thing. Right. And, I mean, it seems to me that that would actually be a, a good idea that they don't tell you exactly how they came up with the thing. I mean, number one, because you don't want, because, you know, in theory, they're competing with each other. So, well, no, you would, like, if these are the, if there's a win condition, you should know what the win condition is. Right. Not like oh. randomly do things and then I'll tell you if you win. Like, no, actually, that's you shouldn't. Shady. You shouldn't. I mean, this is, uh, this is actually a problem that comes up in, uh, in, in computer programming for artificial intelligence. That uh, once you make a, a measure the goal, then it ceases to be a measure of anything useful. Who's the author of this thing? So, like, um, Anne Logue. She's delusional. So, like, uh, for example, if you if you give a, an artificial intelligence the goal of you know do whatever you can do to play Super Mario Brothers and get as many coins as you can, and what you're trying to get the AI to do is to explore the levels of the game. That's and, just a poorly worded goal. Well, I mean, that's a way to hypothetically get it to explore that world. No, it's not. It's a way to get it to go in and crack it and give itself all the coins. Right. Its exactly. And well, that's, then ward your, ward well, your well, goals no, no, better. No, no, no. That's, that's exactly the thing that happens. If you tell people what the exact metric for how they can get their credit uh, up, I mean, what you're trying to do is determine, are they going to repay the loans that we give them? That's that's what you're trying I to assess. I don't think that that's the case, actually. I think that they're trying to determine who is going well, to stay on credit long enough for us to make X whatever we're trying to make and not pay it off until then, but make enough payments that we want them to. But that those amounts are secrets. You guys are, are on to something because this article continues on, and albeit I think this uh, Anne Logue is delusional in her writing, she goes on to say some of the criteria seem unusual and can be gamed. She's saying it can be gamed from a consumer perspective. We're saying it can be gamed from the uh, lender's perspective. Um, for example, she gives, it is better to have a high-limit credit card and only charge part of it than to charge the same amount on a low-limit credit card. Paying off a mortgage can reduce your credit score. In addition, errors are common but difficult to correct. Uh, sometimes they can be. I've had an error on my credit report, and I got it corrected. It took a while. It wasn't difficult. It just took time before it actually came off my report. There's some evidence of racial biases as well, which in, in turn affects access to housing, certain jobs, and credit. Having subjective search result criteria is not going to... Oh, wait, that's the, that's other, the other article. Okay, right, never mind. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, this says people have the right to free copies of their credit report once a year, but have to pay beyond that. Ooh, like, I mean... Uh, not really. Yeah. Uh, now, this is what I find ludicrous. The Biden proposal would improve people's access to their credit. <laughs> Have you tried to sure. get health care when Obamacare first came out or even go to the website oh, it, at all? It gets better. The sentence continues and may lead to standardized calculations. <laughs> yeah, this, 
This is one thing that it, it kind of astonishes me that people still make this profound error in logic. When they are thinking about the government doing a thing, they automatically assume that it is done well. Like just they 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 put that as yeah. an assumption. Like uh, the government will a do what it's telling us it's trying to do, and b do what it's trying to what it's telling us it's trying to do. Well, if well, I had a budget of thirty billion dollars a year, I could do this well, even though I have no clue how to do it right now, sitting here. And while that is the case, that does not mean that they're going to do it at all, and they're just going to take the $20 billion. I know the solution to the problems in both of these articles that we've covered so far tonight, and that is the separation of money and state. Just like the separation of church and state, the separation of money and state will go a long way to increasing uh, the individual's personal liberties. And just like the separation of church and state was accomplished by people going their own way on churches, doing their own worship, yep. so the separation of state and money will be accomplished by us using non-government money. Correct. So use crypto for actual transactions. You know, use gold backs for your you know daily casual use. You know, you know if you need a physical, tangible object to hold in your hand. And something that looks shiny and you know, use gold backs. Yeah, know. talk about something that's backed with gold. 603-283-6160. We've got more free talk live for you coming up. Yes, it is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Thank you for listening on this Sunday evening edition. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Joining me, Peakless Mountaineer. And Melanie. And we're going to switch gears a little bit here because this is very interesting to me. Now, I am a musician. I make music. You can hear some of my... Mm, sort of Weird Al-inspired parody music over at lordkickass.com. Uh, but uh, I must warn you, uh, adult content uh, does exist in some of my songs. So The if, FCC would not approve. Yeah, if that is offensive to you, well, then by all means, don't go to lordkickass.com. But if you would like some laughter in your life, which I think we could all use a bit more of these days, feel free to visit and have yourself a listen. Now, having said that, uh, I don't personally believe in intellectual property. Uh, I think that that is just a human construct within our minds. Uh, it's more so a way of government forcing people to do things that they otherwise wouldn't do. That being said, this from Vice.com. A new video shows Beverly Hills cops playing the Beatles to trigger Instagram copyright filter. Now, if that doesn't make any sense to you, let me break it down. If you make a video and of you and your friends in your living room, and you have the Beatles playing on your home stereo in your living room, and you upload that video to, say, Instagram or YouTube, for example... Both of these companies have algorithms to detect music that has been copywritten, 
In other words, registered with the government and says that only if you've paid somebody a fee or gotten a license to use this music, can you use it for any purpose whatsoever? Uh, and so uh, the YouTube or the Instagram would take that video down because it detected the algorithm of the aforementioned Beatles song. The police now have found a way to combat activists who film them. And what they're doing is they're playing copywritten music during the interaction. So when the activist is recording the police interaction and they go to upload it to one of these sites, it doesn't get published because the algorithm takes it down for a copyright violation. That sucks, particularly for activists. In at least three cases, Beverly Hills cops have started playing music seemingly to prevent themselves from being filmed by an activist. Turns out that Beverly Hills PD isn't just into sublime, they also like the Beatles. In a new video that L.A. area activist Senate Devermont says was taken on January 16th, we can see Devermont trying to ask Sergeant Billy Fair, now best known for blasting sublime at the police headquarters, a question. But suddenly he's interrupted by the mournful voice of Paul McCartney. And it goes on to quote the lyrics of yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. It is the unmistakable opening of the Beatles classic, coming from the cell phone of Officer Julian Rice, who is standing nearby. Fair points at Rice's phone as if to draw Devermont's attention to it and walks away. Devermont, who's holding a media press identification badge, then walks up to Rice, who is still playing the music and tries to ask him a question. But the officer doesn't answer. He simply stares straight ahead and holds his cell phone pointed towards Devermont. The Beatles yesterday moves into the second verse. As Vice News reported Tuesday, police in Beverly Hills have repeatedly played copyright music while being filmed, seemingly in an attempt to trigger Instagram's algorithmic copyright filters, which could result in videos of police interactions with the public being taken down. Uh, Just... A quick question. I wonder why they would assume that it was Instagrams. Like, my first thought would be YouTubes. Uh, I'm sorry, can you... Algorithm. um, uh, They all have these algorithms. Uh, Twitter has them. They kind of have to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the websites that I use or have attempted to use also have them. So, because I do parody music, and parody music, by the way, is... Uh, protected uh, by uh, a certain law that's called fair use, Mm. right? So you can, if you're making fun of something, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're using something for education purposes, you know, there's a variety of things that qualify for fair use. you have a fighting chance to be able to use it. Correct, yes. And so what happens is on on the front of some of these companies, if I take and make a parody of, uh, I don't know, Pearl Jam or something like that, mm. and I upload it to just a regular site as if it were my own. The regular site has an algorithm that goes, oh, no, we detected that, that this is a, a melody or a beat or you know phrasing from Pearl Jam's blah, 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 and thus you're violating copyright and we won't publish your song, even though it's a parody, it's humor, and it's generally well, commentary. And to some extent, so... They're not going to pay a lawyer to go through everything that gets flagged to determine whether or not you get to keep it up. Right. And that makes sense to a large extent. 
A lawyer? And Heck, they're not going to get an intern to do pretending it. Pretending that, well, the intern would be useless. Pretending that they're private companies for a second, that makes a lot of sense. But the reason why that is, is because they have to be in compliance with copyright law on their platform. This needs to get rid of interference. Well, a lot of things. Option number 100 on my preference <laughs> list. This needs to get it get rid of interfere use. Yeah, this is uh, so uh, yeah. just one thing I'm really curious about here is uh, wouldn't that be protected under like uh, 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 230 that like, OK, well, I'm a platform, so I can't be held liable for what's on my platform. So you can't actually sue me for playing well, the Beatles. Well, what will really bend your mind in, in a second is when I mean, I, I think it's obvious to you guys who's. And again, I don't believe in intellectual property, but who is doing the copyright violation here? Is it the activist filming the police? No, the activist is not playing the Beatles or the Sublime or whatever. It's the police who are violating copyright. Are you sure about that? Yes, because they're the ones playing the copywritten material into not playing it a video. Public- they are playing it publicly because police are public property. But so, okay, so if I have a, a group of 10 people at the park, I can play copyrighted music. There's a number at which it becomes illegal. You can't play it to public audiences. Well, but if you are, if you are police and you are certain that you are being uh, recorded mm-hmm. and you have a reasonable suspicion that that recording will be going on to the internet, then you have a reasonable suspicion that anything that you play will reach an audience more than you are allowed to yeah, play Yeah, I don't that think that matters. For. Correct. Well, <laughs> I mean, legally. Well, yeah, this is, this is methodolic you know, pie in the sky, right, thinking right. that the law might be applied equally. <laughs> right, might... <laughs> right. Um, the difference uh, in, you know, just bringing a boombox to the park and cranking tunes is you're not making any money off of it, right? So if you're playing the radio, you're playing a CD that you bought, you know, you're playing an MP3 that you downloaded, you bought on Amazon or whatever, and you're cranking that on your boombox at the beach to 100 people, right? There's no copyright violation there because you're not making any money off of it. Now, a venue like a live music venue, uh, oftentimes in between bands or DJs or whatever, they will spin music that is copywritten. Well, yeah, the but venue they have has to have licenses. a license yeah. for that, right? So it's when, uh, in in that respect, there is, you have to purchase a license and, and that kind of thing. But the activist here in this particular scenario is not the one playing the copywritten music. It is the police playing the copywritten music. So they, as the law, are using another portion of the law to block themselves from being published. See what I'm saying? They're using the algorithms that uh, cut out copywritten material from being published to these online platforms to protect themselves from being published in whatever it is that they're doing. There's a reason. Well, the right, but I, I, I don't, I don't think copyright law cares, which is why you're right. Copyright law doesn't care. It. Right. Copyright law doesn't care who, who played the music. I'm just pointing out that it's not the activist in this case playing the music. It's the police playing this music. If anybody is violating copyright law, it's the police in this particular scenario. Would these artists be able to, and I'm sure that they're picking out people who, while the Beatles themselves would, would be horrified by this, whoever owns their stuff now, maybe not, be and able to just grant no license, humor or limited licenses the to this type of thing? 
yeah, I, I you know, but licensing for copyright is a very muddy, muddy area, and I want nothing to do with it. 603-283-6160. More Free Talk Live coming up. Ross Ulbricht is serving a double life sentence without parole for all nonviolent charges. He is a first-time offender, and no victims were named at trial. Ross is condemned to die in a cage because he made a website called Silk Road that allowed people to exchange what they chose using Bitcoin as long as no third party was harmed. Please help. Sign and share the petition at freeross.org to commute Ross's sentence and bring him home. Yes, it is Free Talk Live. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the program. Our telephone number in the studio, should you wish to join the conversation, is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it is myself, Captain Kickass, joining me. Peakless Mountaineer. And Melanie. We've been talking about this article from Vice.com, where it seems that some police are combating activists who choose to film police interactions, and we've done extensive coverage of some of these organizations. Cop Block uh, is one of them. There's a bunch more, uh, and there's also activists who've you know never even heard of this show that use cameras, particularly uh, against police for the purpose of highlighting the bad things that they do. Almost like ordinary people would like there to be some form of accountability in police action. And, of course, some people will say, well, the police are already supposed to wear cameras. Not all of them. And also, they have switches on them. Why you'd ever get give the police the ability to turn the camera on and off, I will never know. But apparently they do. And so frequently police turn their video cameras off, whether it's to pull over a driver for a traffic infraction or it's to beat the crap out of an innocent person who they just don't like their attitude. Uh, This happens. So it is very important for activists to videotape their interactions. Videotape. Gosh, listen to me. I'm so old. (laughs) To video their interactions with police, whether it's your cell phone, whether it's a specialized video camera of some sort, whether, you know, it doesn't matter the device that you're using. Uh, it is very this important. This smartphone designed by VHS. <laughs> so according to this article, police are now playing obviously copywritten music when there are activists videoing their interactions. And what this does, of course, is it triggers algorithms in places like Instagram and YouTube and Twitter when a video is uploaded to flag it for copyright violation and not publish the video. It's a way of the police are using to game the system to prevent these activist videos from being uploaded and published to a wider audience, exposing them for the goons that they are. 
As Vice News reported Tuesday, police in Beverly Hills have repeatedly played copyright music while being filmed, seemingly in an attempt to trigger these algorithms. After getting the silent treatments from the officer during this interaction, uh, the officer playing the music, Devermont walks back over to Fair, who immediately starts complaining. Uh, so Devermont is the activist in this case. There's too much pressure when you're here, he says. Fair expresses his worry that something he says will be taken out of context and repeated on the news. He then changes the subject and this time, a bit more cheerfully, asks how many people are watching Devermont's feed. Devermont turns his phone around and allows Fair to have a look at the live stream. 364, he says, after Devermont shows him the number of people watching on the screen. That's kind of weak, he says. I've seen bigger crowds for you. You've done better. Less than a month later, the same fair would blast Sublime at Devermont instead of the Beatles. The strategy isn't entirely surprising. Nick Simmons and Adam Holland, researchers at Lumen Database, which studies copyright takedowns on social media, noted last year that music and videos filmed at Black Lives Matter protests had repeatedly resulted in them being removed from social media sites under copyright grounds. They theorized that, while these removals seemed incidental, that copyright could be weaponized by the police. Well, we want to be secret police. Can't we all just be secret police? Law enforcement, or indeed anyone of any ideological persuasion who is seeking to prevent videos of a particular event from being shared online, need only make sure that copyrighted audio is present with sufficiently recognizable clarity and volume in the background of a protest or other event, they wrote. A chilling prospect indeed, and now we are seeing it actually happen. So let this be a warning to you. If they manage to do this to you, make sure to edit your your audio on that so that it doesn't come through on the video. How are you going to do that? Well, you edit the video and cut out a chunk of audio and just like put a little caption of copyrighted music playing here you can't edit out at least not with the software most people are gonna have regular personal software you can't edit out one audio stream out of a video right so uh in the uh interaction occurring here though like the the police officer isn't even talking they're just playing the Beatles. Right. They're refusing to say anything because they're afraid of being captured on video by this particular activist and saying something incorrect. Something okay, sir, sir, in, that, in that case, you could just turn off the audio. Right. You could just mute and but... be like, cops playing copyrighted material in the background in captions or something. But, I mean, yeah. If you're, ta- if you're playing something in the background, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, that's true. Unless you have a Hollywood studio at your disposal. I don't think we can even do that here. What these activists need to do is, when they upload their videos, is to, uh, before the video even starts playing, have a little blurb that spells out, hey, uh, this is being used for, uh, you know, under fair use, for reporting. I've heard frequently that doesn't uh, make any difference to it, though. And, and well, right, because the algorithms kick in and automatically right. delete it. Right, Exactly. But what you can do is if you upload it and the algorithm kicks it back and they notify you, like YouTube will sometimes uh, send you an email, be like, hey, we rejected your video for copyright reasons. Sometimes you can you know, ask them to review it, ask a human to review it. And if your video has the, hey, this is, 
you know, under fair use, you know, cite the actual statute from the law and say, you know, this was uploaded under fair use for reporting, right? Because, yeah, that is, that- because this is how the the news people get to use videos uh, from, like, concerts and stuff like that, right? Fair use. This is why uh, your local news can have uh, the highlights of the big game from that night, right? This is fair use, right? Because they're reporting on the incident, right? So activists, I think, in my mind, that's about the only ways I can think of to get around this kind of thing or to at least yeah, and, not And cop- copyright teeth. is one of those things that I don't... I'm not too hard on statists for because it's one of those things that starts out sounding really sane and reasonable. Like if somebody was like, hey, I want to have a YouTube channel... And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to upload other people's songs and monetize it. It's like, well, well, no, you can't. You can't do that. <laughs> like, even from a non-legal or not a non-legal, even from an anarchist perspective, it's like, okay, that's kind of shady. shady behavior. Mm, yeah. you, like, you, you, you shouldn't be doing that. But there's a spectrum of like, well, why okay. shouldn't you be doing? I, I mean, I'm curious because I don't see the difference between that and a radio station playing, you know, all of the hits, right? Or well, a radio station is has permission, and I don't know if the, who pays who, but right, like there's right. an agreement there. They, they buy a it's, license. It's to not just it's I'm copy pasting your work onto right. my sites. Like that's it's it's. It's not aggression, but it's like, okay, what are you doing, dude? Like, you're putting nothing into this. You're just filtering off someone else's stuff. Yeah. Now, I, I do think it's worth mentioning that uh, the possibility of getting around this through putting a fair use warning and uh, get, trying to get it for personal review is a lot more difficult right now. Cause, oh, yeah. I mean, right now, it's almost impossible to get anyone at Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or any of them to review anything personally, uh, and they're they're blaming COVID for yeah. the fact that right. they can't do but, but there's a spectrum of, and this is kind of what the fair use statute seemingly was trying to get at. There's a spectrum of like, okay, are you just totally trying to use somebody else's stuff? Or do you really have, like in this case, like you really have nothing, no value in this audio being in here. Right. The idea is it's to add value. It just happens to be there. Right. If you're going to do something where you're using other people's uh, art, right? Their music. You have to add value to it. Now, maybe that's being a personality and being a DJ and forming your own internet radio station, putting on your own show, something like that. You're adding value to that. Uh, that is, in my mind, where uh, copyright needs to step away. More free talk live coming up. Jinkies. Narf? <laughs> no, wow. <laughs> no, Scooby. Put down the snacks. It's time for Free Talk Live. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. 603-283-6160 is the phone number here in the studio should you wish to join us on the air. In the studio tonight, I am your host, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Joining me, it's... Peakless Mountaineer. And Melanie. And I wanted to tell you that you can join liberty-minded, voluntarist, anarchist, and libertarians from June 28th through July 4th for ForkFest 2021 at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. 
ForkFest happens the week after the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and ForkFest is decentralized, which means no one is in charge. That also means there's no ticket cost. Just reserve your camping, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 28th through July 4th. Where better to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire? You can relax and enjoy the camaraderie of like-minded people, or you can create whatever experience or event you'd like others to have. If you're planning an event for ForkFest, be sure to let others know in advance. You can connect with fellow ForkFesters via the unofficial Telegram chat or the ForkFest forum. Links to those can be found on the unofficial website, forkfest.party. Mark your calendar for June 28th through July 4th, 2021, and we'll see you at forkfest.party. So we've been talking about this article from Vice that police are apparently playing obviously copywritten songs during interactions with known activists who are filming them. Why would they do that? They would do that to prevent the video from being uploaded to the most popular platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, etc., and so on. Because these platforms have algorithms that will detect music that is copywritten and flag it because, you know, you need a license to have that in your video. If you haven't paid, you cannot have the music in your video. So, this goes on to say that uh, the strategy isn't entirely surprised. We covered that law enforcement or indeed anyone of any ideological persuasion who is seeking to prevent videos of a particular event could use this strategy. And so, we were talking about copyright, you know, during the break amongst ourselves. And I'm vehemently against it. I mean, I have seen the lawsuits amongst musicians and record companies and the RIAA uh, and all of this kind of a thing. And it nobody ever presents any real evidence that their album sales or their ticket sales have been affected by somebody else playing their music. What they do is they present evidence that is merely projected into the future, right? So... Oh, if my band is on tour and we project that we're going to make, you know, $5 million in the next year and Bob plays one of our songs on his YouTube video, why we're only going to make $4,800,742.32 or something like that. Because they, they can't prove that anything is really affecting them. If anything, copyright uh, violations really do more to promote the source material than it does to inhibit their sales ability. I mean, I'm more likely to buy a song if I've heard it before. Right. Because then you don't, you don't know. Okay, songs are like a dollar now, and, but and you're still, And you're more likely to buy an album if you like a song off that album. Right. And you wouldn't know if you like that song if you hadn't heard it for free. Right. And so these things always bother me. Now I'm going to get a bunch of crap from my musician friends who are all about the copyright. <gasps> oh my gosh, I got to protect my art. But like, like you know, there's a painting called the Mona Lisa, right? Now let's say the guy who painted that is alive, right? Now how is me taking a photo of the Mona Lisa going to prevent him from making money? 
It can't. Hmm. It's not possible. And copyright is one of those things that I don't usually hold against status because it's reasonable on its face. It's really, really incredibly harmful in application, but it sounds reasonable on its face. It's like, okay, well, you can't just take somebody else's work and then use it in its whole for your own benefit, either by not paying for using it or for well, so they equate- putting it... You know, mon- if you just upload somebody else's songs to your own YouTube channel and that's all you do and monetize it, it's like, okay, that's that's not good behavior. Yeah, you're being a douche is what you're like, being. Like, it's right, not yes. aggression, but that's not great behavior. But they're framing it, and by they, I mean the record labels, the Recording Industry Association of America, RIAA, you'll hear that a lot. Uh, they're framing it as theft. Now, if I have a magic machine that can... Oh, I don't know. Scan your vehicle, right? You just bought a brand new vehicle. No, you made a vehicle in your garage, right? You built a vehicle from scratch. You made the whole thing. Uh, and you you know, bring it out of your driveway to show your neighbor Bob. And if Bob takes his magical scanning machine and scans just the outside of your car and then is able to go put that into a 3D printer in his own home and produce an exact duplicate of your vehicle... Has he stolen your vehicle? That was actually one of those, I don't know if you remember those uh, anti-pirating commercials. It's like, well, you wouldn't illegally download a car. I'm like, pulled of you to assume <laughs> that I wouldn't download a car. Right, because, I totally because would. it's just information, <laughs> right? So theft requires the party offended to be left without the original. Yeah, you have to have less of something right. for me to have stolen and, it. And a lot of... And, like, I will grant that a lot of the copyright arguments make sense. It's like, well, I put work in, in it, it relies on labor theory of value. And it's like, okay, well, somebody put work into this and they won't if they don't get paid for it. The problem, the main problem is, because I wouldn't feel really sorry for people who just pull other people's stuff and sell it. That, like, I'm, I'm not, those yeah. are not my main concern for victims. But the problem is you get stuff like this where you can just go to somebody else's event or you as a public official can just play the Beatles and now they can't film anything. Or there was a bunch of leftists on the internet a year and two years ago who were like, hey, you should go to these far-right Nazi rallies and just play uh, copyright music so that now they can't, now it'll get pulled. You, You had the, I think it was John Deere, but it was a tractor company who was suing a farmer for repairing his own tractor because they were saying that they owned the IP in the computer and that he was violating copyright by right. altering it. Um, by trying to car- fix his own tractor yeah, or something. Some yeah, some car I companies that. were doing yeah. the same thing. It's illegal in some cases to alter software that you bought like for your own use, not selling it or giving it to anybody else. Right. Well, and a lot of it's, this comes down to a degradation of the very concept of ownership. Yeah, it ends up yeah. with corporations telling you what copy? What the ultimate end of copyright is, is corporations telling you that you do not own the product that you bought. And that is where copyright is really harmful and stuff like this. Yeah, not, long, I want free music. I can tell how you, long before Google copyrights your DNA? I can tell you the majority of musicians in on this planet uh, put far more effort into making music and gain no financial reward for it ever than do. Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. More coming up. The Free State Project has reached its goal of 20,000 liberty lovers who've pledged to move to New Hampshire and get active to achieve liberty in our lifetime. Perhaps you're trying to figure out what part of New Hampshire should be your destination. 
If so, consider Keen. You'll find more than 150 reasons to move to Keen at move.freekeen.com. Keen is famous for its historic, publicity-generating activism, as well as being the liberty media capital of the world. It's home to freekeen.com, New Hampshire's destination for liberty activism, news, and opinion. For years, we've been compiling over 150 reasons to move to Keen at move.freekeen.com, where you'll learn about some of what's happening here and what makes Keen a great place to live. If you love liberty, you'll probably enjoy anywhere you end up in the Shire. But do your due diligence first. Please visit move.freekeen.com for the full list of over 150 reasons to move to Keen. That's move.freekeen.com. Yes, it is Free Talk Live, the live Sunday night edition, 603-283-6160 is the telephone number if you would like to get on the air and talk about whatever's on your mind. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Peakless Mountaineer. And Melanie. And I want to take a second to say thank you to Kylan Eckert. Kylan is a silver level amplifier, and that means he donates some money every month to the amplifier program here at Free Talk Life. What is the amplifier program, you may ask, and ask you may. Well, you can find out more over at amp.freetalklive.com. But essentially, we ask for five bucks a month. You can give more. There's different levels. There's a silver level, the gold level, the platinum level. And you get some perks if you become an amplifier. But this money doesn't go into my pockets. I certainly don't spend it on beer uh, or anything like that. We spend it here at Free Talk Live to get this program onto more radio stations. There aren't enough programs like Free Talk Live on planet Earth, much less in the United States, And we're currently on something like 190 stations. We could be on 200, 250. We could be on 300 stations. It's all up to you. Please visit amp.freetalklive.com. Consider amplifying this radio program and getting the message of freedom into more people's ears. amp.freetalklive.com. Thank you, Kylan Eckert. We appreciate you. All right, I think we've burnt through the copyright thing. You guys have more to say on copyright? Well, just a a, a last couple of thoughts. Just number one, um, just as it is unreasonable for me to copyright a, a word in the English language. Like the? Yeah, like the. I can't just go copyright the and say that's mine now. Well, that's more you unreasonable because you didn't even create it. You can't prove that. Yes, actually I can. But you can copyright and trademark <laughs> phrases. Yes. Right. Or I might come up with a neologism that catches on. And, you know, because it's my particular portmanteau, I invented it. And that's still completely unreasonable. Hey, hey, hey. Are you stepping on my portmanteaus? Uh, I might be. (laughs) Portmanteaus. Is that a portmanteau? Portmanteaus? P-O-R-T-M-A-N-T-O-E-S. Yes, it is. Uh, I believe we have just reached peak meta. It's the toes of the man who makes portmanteau. Now, now, can I copyright that because I invented the word portmanteaus? Probably not. Yeah, well, I don't think so. Right. 
And even if you could, because who knows what's going to be allowed in the near future, it would be a terrible, terrible idea. Like, that might somehow become a terribly useful word. And all of the sentences that might be published using that word won't be published now because they have to get a hold of you and give you money. Before they can use the word. Right. So on that same principle of if you come up with a word, you don't copyright that word because it stops us from communicating with each other. Right. So in the same way, on a, on a larger level, with art, if you have all of these copyrights, you are stopping an enormous amount of creativity from coming into being because of all of these copyrights. I mean, like, okay, if you look at Star Wars, for example... Like what they did with those copyrights is terrible. Like the 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 prequels were just awful. Just awful. Now if you would just let people take that nice archetypical story and do what they wanted with it. You know, make yeah. paintings, make new movies, you know, do skits, do all of the stuff that people do, we would have so much more to work with. We would have a much richer, more vibrant culture. There were several science fiction, either television series or I'm trying to remember exactly which one off the top of my head. I think Star Trek suffered from this where there was a bunch of fan made films. And of course, technology for video production has increased uh, in availability and it's become cheaper for people to procure uh, top level video production software. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Uh, a nerdy backyard wannabe producer can make a relatively decent film for pennies. Now, it's nothing that's going to compete with the big Hollywood films, but with some creativity, they can make something pretty good. Right. Uh, and they would get sued for copyright violations for making their own version, telling a story that existed somewhere in the Star Trek universe that had nothing to do with, you know, Spock and Captain Kirk and all the main characters that everybody knows and loves. They would just go and tell some other story about some new crew that they made up themselves that just happened to exist within the universe of Star Trek. And then, of course, they would get, you know, beaten down by lawyers. Right. right? They're not making any money of it. They just wanted to release it on YouTube. They thought it was fun. It was a labor of love. They're fans, right? Right. Now, I see Especially this. Especially since the stuff that's coming out in the Star Wars or oh. the Star Trek universe yeah, this, is terrible. This is kind of the least concerning thing about it for me. Like, okay, yes, this is all true. It's kind of w bottom of the list. The real concern is copyrights gives corporations the legal leeway to tell you that you don't own things that they sold you. Right. Yeah. Like, you don't yeah. own this item that they sold you according to some law. And you have to just keep paying the money and can't alter it. And just because they said so, like, and now they're now like the God of this item yeah. because of, that's what copyright actually does. Right. Right. Yep. And I mean, it's reaching to gross and disturbing lengths at this point. I mean, there are literally copywritten genomes. Okay, so, uh, yeah, like Monsanto. Excuse me? Yes. Oh, yeah, Monsanto did that, too. Though. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right, for, uh, like, corn and, and stuff. And then they would, yeah. it yeah. would be something that would, I think there's a, a, a term for this in agriculture, but it would infringe on, because a, a seed in a plant doesn't know where a property line is. It would go into somebody else's property, destroy the existing The naturally raised plant, corn or whatever. And right. then... Be and then kind of plant itself because seeds do that, right? The reason we have plants is not because people were around 
500 million years ago, planting all the trees. Like, this is how plants work. Right. And then Monsanto would sue them. And so now they have to pay royalties to Monsanto just forever because they now own species of plants and they're destroying the original species. Like, no. Right. They you ne- can't own right. all food, Monsanto. This is what copyright is. Right, right. And and obviously the farmers did not invent corn or whatever plant is in question here. Uh, the This occurred of its own volition. In other words, you know, one farmer's field is next to another field and they cross-pollinate. And so, of course, the other farmer is going to get some corn that has that particular uh, signature in it, her genome, mm-hmm. and of by no fault of the other farmer. The other farmer didn't go, ha, 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 I'm going to jump into my neighbor's field yeah, these and steal first seeds two rows of corn. Are gonna be, the, right. Uh, th- and different things are pollinated in different ways, but like a bee is not flying around being like, okay, this is this guy's property. I, I better turn back around. Like, this is not, you can't own nature, okay? Yeah. yeah. I right. mean, I guess legally you can, but you don't actually own nature as a whole. And, you know, let's let's assume that this keeps going in the trajectory that it's faced right now. Okay, well, how long before Monsanto decides to release a retrovirus that puts some of their copyrighted DNA into your body? And then suddenly, well, you're not allowed to have kids without their permission. Right, you ate our corn. So yeah, now you ate our corn. Ours. Right, yeah. yeah, that's that's just sick and disgusting. Well, and and uh, a lot of the uh, the ancestry tracking uh, companies will actually have it in their in their contract that by giving them your uh, your genetic sample, you are actually sacrificing your ownership of that intellectual property to them. Wow, wow. I know there were websites uh, when uploading first became popular that would have clauses that says, hey, by uploading your music, you hereby grant us all of the intellectual property rights of whatever the heck it is you just uploaded. Yeah, so, Facebook does that. So if you were a uh, a new band and you just wrote a new song and you uploaded it to this website and it blew up, it became popular, it went viral. Well, guess what? You didn't get paid. This other company got paid because you checked the box that said, I agree in the end user license agreement. It's all very disturbing. 603-283-6160. Coming up, did a reporter get sued for seeking records? We'll tell you more. More Free Talk Live is on the way. flies when you're having fun thanks guys i'm glad you all are here it is free talk live welcome back it's the final segment of tonight's program the digits you need you probably won't be able to get in yet tonight but for the future is 603-283-6160 and we are here seven nights a week uh 7 to 10 p.m eastern time you know, if you don't get in tonight, why we are here seven nights a week. Again, feel free to call in uh, during those times. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Beagless Mountaineer. And Melanie. And Melanie, you had an article that you brought. Can you tell us something about this 
guy who was sued for seeking records somehow? Yeah, so there was a report. Well, I mean, obviously there's a reporter. This this guy was a reporter, and he made a FOIA request on a government agent. Oh, that's uh, Freedom of Information Act, right. by the way. And the government agent responded by suing him. And the reason why I even care about this is because I like a good revenge story. Okay. And so... Especially when it's revenge against a, you know, supposedly public servant who is uh, acting out against being investigated. And so the publication and the reporter responded by saying, well, hey, this is what... Not only am I going to out you for suing me, because, duh, why are you doing this? You know I'm a reporter. But, uh, by the way... It, it says, our views, Jeff Landry, pseudo-reporter, for seeking records. You should file your own request, and then they tell you how to do that. <laughs> this is from The Advocate. Um, we've been hardened by the support we received since Friday when Attorney General Jeff Landry filed suit against a reporter, Andrea Gallo, for submitting a public record request to his office. Gallo is seeking to get to the bottom of a sexual harassment case that has Royald Landry's office, and based on his reaction, the case seems to have Royald Landry too. Louisiana citizens have the right to see public records, and it's written into the state constitution. It's also written into federal law. Journalists file lots of public records requests, but so do average citizens who have a grievance with their elected officials, or you could do it just because you feel like it. Right. But taxpayers who file requests deserve better than to be sued by the public officials that serve them. Landry's suit against Gallo concludes with a six-item prayer for relief. Chiefly, Landry asked the court to determine that Gallo is not entitled to see the original complaint filed in the matter against the head of the Attorney General's Criminal Division, Pat McGee. He also asked that the record be sealed. Which... Can he even do that? That's not a proper request for a civil suit right you yeah ask the judge to seal records not the i mean it's AK. technically to the judge but you don't sue a private reporter to see, private reporters can't seal records by the way right <laughs> um, the fifth of the six prayers is a request that the court cast the defendant with all costs of these proceedings in other words landry asked the court to make gallo pay the legal costs of his lawsuit wow the suit is not just an attack on gallo it is a warning to any taxpayer who might challenge any elected official. After the suit was filed, people asked us what they could do to help and to support open government. Monday, our publisher, Judy Terzotis, mm, our editor, Peter Kovics, and the chairman of George Media, Dan Shaw, filed the same public record request as Gallo. <laughs> you can join in by filing your own public record request with Jeff Landry and showing him that he needs to tell the taxpayers the truth about what happened in his office. Here's how. Okay, go to this link. We'll put that up in our uh, social media. Uh, So if you want to (laughs) also file this Freedom of Information Act request, you may join in the fun. Please do. Yeah, and it's just, this is not abnormal behavior for Louisiana officials. They've also been known to, they... There, there are videos of reporters standing outside of a building asking them questions about a proceeding they're going to or from, and uh-huh. so they respond by arresting them. There's one where the cop's confused. He's like, well, arrest him, and the cop's like, for what, though? And 
Louisiana, it's uh, an interesting place. Well, Walter Reed, right before he got arrested and he knew he was going to, the guy who served him um, papers for another suit, he told the guards at the courthouse to arrest him. And the guards stood around for a while. And the guy stayed. And the guards stood around for a while like, what? We know this is an illegal arrest, but he told us to. What do we do? What are we arresting him for? Right. And yeah, like this is not, this is normal for them. Uh, New Orleans recently, mm, without banning Mardi Gras, basically banned Mardi Gras. They said, uh, nope, you can't, uh, you can't open the bars on Bourbon Street. Uh, They put up blockades like the concrete uh, barriers barriers that they use on freeways and that kind of a thing. They put those up so people could not drive in, down, or near Bourbon Street. Well, you you, you don't usually drive down Bourbon Street. Right, they have the the pylons. It's not a road per se, but... um but yeah, yeah, they were good, out patrolling. Good luck, good luck with that, y'all. They they didn't allow the uh, the parade that happens, etc., and so on. So for all intents and purposes, they did shut down Mardi Gras without actually shutting it. You know what I mean? They didn't say, "Hey, everybody, Mardi Gras is off this year," because I think that they there was well, they're not canceling the festivities. Right. I don't know we're that just you making can... it impossible for you to actually engage. I in don't them. know that you can cancel a day of the year, but I right. mean they. They have a Democratic mayor right now because, of course, they do. But, yeah, I mean, they canceled the parades. I saw some of the pictures of the barriers from people I still have on the Internet down there. And yeah. It's like, yeah, it's I'm nuts. sorry, uh, New Orleans, but there's going to be drunk people. Like, okay, good luck with that. All right, let's go to your calls and thoughts. We have David in New Mexico calling. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, endowed by their creator with uh, certain unalienable rights. Amongst these are life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, Whenever any government should be destructive to these ends, it's the right. In fact, it's the duty of the people to alter or abolish said government, replacing it with one more suitable to their needs. And in that light, um, uh, since we are a government of, by, and for the people, let me open an official session of government and um, give the state of New Mexico a legal notice uh, and invoke whistleblower law. Uh, Governor uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham, uh, Attorney General Hector Balderas, Auditor Brian Colon, um, and any other interested parties like our legislative bodies, our Supreme Court. Um, let me bring it to the uh, uh, attention, uh, something that is already uh, publicly documented, that uh, Bernalillo County uh, District Attorney Raul Torres being married to Dean of Students uh, Nasha Torres have already been found in the courts to be a conflict of interest, as evidenced by the transferring of uh, the University of New Mexico basketball players' uh, simple assault cases out of Bernalillo County to a distant county because of that conflict of interest. And it's my argument in this public record and my legal notice to the state of New Mexico and the parties listed that they need to. Uh, dissolve the conflict of interest uh, uh, that uh, the marriage of, uh, not dissolve the marriage, but somebody needs to quit their job or be replaced because of that conflict of interest, because it's not just those, that one case that's affected, it's going to affect many, many cases. And have you, have you um, been able to find, uh, David, I'm sorry, have you been able to find other people who have been sort of you know, railroaded by this conflict of interest? I'd be interested to know, you know, how many people or how many cases have been affected by it. 
Well, let's put out a call right now. Since you're being heard across the, the northern part of the state of New Mexico tonight, anybody uh, knowing of any uh, case where anybody has been written up on any legal charges uh, on the University of New Mexico campus by the University of New Mexico police, uh, then being uh, that that case then going to the Metropolitan Court or the District Court in Albuquerque, uh, please contact Free Talk Live by calling the number that they provide on another night um, and let us know. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see just you know how many times that has occurred. Um, the law is very clear when it comes to conflict of interest. Now, uh, most folks aren't aware that every time you go to court, there's a conflict of interest anyway, particularly if you've had an interaction with a police officer. That is to say, uh, you know, police officer pulls you over, he gives you a ticket of some kind, you go to court for that ticket, uh, the police officer, the prosecutor, and the judge all derive their paycheck from the same place. And that in and right. of itself is the definition of conflict of interest. So yep. thank you for the call, David. We appreciate it. Good luck. Um, it, it's inherent within the system. It, the law is very specific in that a conflict of interest should nullify any case against you. It certainly should. And they often ask if you're being coerced in any way. Yes, with the threat of imprisonment. We are out of time. Thanks for listening. This has been Free Talk Live. Find our archives at freetalklive.com. Peace. As you may recall, we last left Jonathan Gullible on a remote Pacific island after his boat was blown far off course by a terrific storm. Eager to learn more about the inhabitants of this island, Jonathan approached a man who was wearing a uniform and had a gun at his side. Good day. Good day to you. Please, sir, would you tell me why you have a gun at your waist? It is written in the great document that, as an official of the island, it is my job to protect the life, liberty, and property of all the islanders. Ah, that is very noble. The people must be very grateful to you. Undoubtedly, they reward you well for your services. Not all the islanders are as grateful as they should be. Last month, one poor citizen refused to pay for my salary. I had to break into his home and haul him off to the magistrate, who ruled that this man's savings were to be confiscated and that he must spend a year in the zoo. That must have been risky. What if that citizen had tried to resist arrest? We try not to mention the consequences. Knowing the ultimate penalty, few people resist. You might say it's our invisible gun policy. But you can rest assured we will take any measure in order to protect everyone's life, liberty, and property. What a strange island. Build freedom with laughter. Join the community. Access free media clips and more. Or get your free PDF copy of the book. Go to jonathangullible.com now. jonathangullible.com On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas. Your amp will directly change more lives by getting Free Talk Live in front of people looking for talk radio online and on the air. 
You can help by joining the AMP program for just $5 a month at amp.freetalklive.com and getting perks. That's amp.freetalklive.com.